Hello? Eric Bachman, this is your mom, and you, you are not my baby. Not now, Jin Yang, not now! Go back into your room! Brunch. Brunch. What was your overall reaction from Friday Night Lights Week? That we generate buzz here on Brunch, pretty much. Um... It wasn't there wasn't too much negative reaction, but we got like whenever we put one of those shits out, the the thoughts, the takes, the reactions, they came flying in and I know that a lot of our reviews say that this show is not about the listeners. It's just about the two people that do it. Um but I felt that uh this was maybe the most involved um the viewers or the listeners have been. So I, I thought it was great. It was a bitch to put together, but um yeah, and shouts to you, by the way, for doing all basically the the heavy work in terms of the editing and stuff. I was not. Lo- I don't like doing editing, so I was not looking forward to kind of putting all of that shit together. But you I were like, all about it. I, for whatever reason, I like audio production and stuff. And if I if I edit uh, one of our podcasts, then it means. I don't have to listen to it later and see, like, are we doing a good job or whatever, because I hear it. See, that was, like, one of the best parts about Friday Night Night Lights Week for me was that I basically got to experience it as a listener. Because it was was so long long since we recorded it that I got to listen to them all over again, and I didn't know it was coming. Yeah, there were that. So I experienced the same thing as I was editing it. Like, I texted you a bunch of times, like... Like, good job, or whatever. And you'd be like, what the fuck are you talking about? I'm like, I did not remember that you had this take, or whatever. Um, yeah, that's... Yeah, I mean, it took so long to put together, but by the time we did, I mean, we discussed after uh, episode three, which we thought was, like, a real home run, we were like, you know what, Like, we're, this is so good that we might need to re-record some other ones. Like, we, we considered re-recording... Um, Number one, episode one, and then we went back and listened to episode one, and we were like, "Fuck no!" Like this was like fire, like objectively. Um, So uh, yeah, yeah, Uh, I was really pleased with how it all came out, and with the guests that we had, and all that, and the numbers themselves were pretty good. We had our most listened to episode ever, which was number one, and number two wasn't far off behind it. I think number one did it in almost a day. Like, oh yeah, we smoked the record in a day. Yeah. Um, Which was not that impressive of a record to smash, but we did it anyway. But we're making records, and we're breaking records. Um, So yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was good. Like, I have, I've like heard from friends who I haven't talked to in a while, or like, hey, I checked out the, the Friday Night Lights thing, and it's actually a lot of uh, people have told me now that they're starting to watch Friday Night Lights again, as yeah. a result. No, like they who haven't even watched before. Oh, really? They're like the fact that like four dudes could dedicate a week to this makes me think it must be really good. Which I'm like, not that doesn't actually suggest that it's particularly good. Like, like four, we could do that about anything. Like you, really. me, Jeff, and Feidelberg. Like we could dedicate a week to a lot of dumb shit that does not necessarily make it good. Yes, um, I actually had a couple people come up to me and and let me know that they listen to the podcast without actually having watched Friday Night right. Lights. Yeah. And they Miles still enjoyed it. Right. Which um, is amazing. I don't understand how you could possibly enjoy that without knowing what the hell we were talking about. But Yeah. Uh, yeah. People have told me they were like, I don't, I never watch the show, but I listen to a couple episodes and like, I'm really interested to see what Tim Riggins is actually like once I watch the show because like Tim and Billy have been the two that people have mentioned. Like I 
you guys talk about these guys and paint them in so many different lights that I'm eager to see what they're actually like. Uh, long story short, though, if you're going to do that, Billy Riggins is an idiot who is the best. Uh, Tim is Tim is pretty similar. He's an idiot who's the best. But yeah, um, loved the interviews. Um, shouts to all those guys: Zach Guilford, so mad, Benny, so mad at Gaius. you for not for not letting us go to the to the reunion. I know. Did we mention why that didn't happen? Uh, I don't. I don't recall. I don't think we so. We actually it. we cut it out of the um, Derek Phillips interview because Derek Phillips, I believe, was the second person was the second interview that we did, and he um, mentioned the ATX festival, and we didn't know about it at that point because this was like months ago, and um, he and we were like, oh fuck, we should maybe go to that, and we had tickets for churches, and I had it in my phone for the wrong weekend, and I was like, oh, too bad we can't go because we're going to that church's concert. And it was the wrong fucking week. And Could have went to both. We could, Yeah, we could have gone to both. And especially like nowadays, like flights, like Southwest flights to Austin, cheap as shit, Airbnb. We actually had a Twitter follower who was like, if you guys want to come, like you can <laughs> crash like on crash floor. on our floor. And like, fuck, we could have we actually done that. Uh, I actually did have a friend who went and she said it was awesome. Although they fuck. screened... They screened an episode at the uh, tailgate uh, that they did, and the episode they chose was The Sun, which is, like, they gathered everyone, every Friday Night Lights fan, to remind them that one time they had a bad episode. <laughs> That's the episode with uh, Saracen's, grandfather, uh, Saracen's father's funeral, right? Yeah. That's the most bizarre choice. That is a screen. horrible choice. Um, also, uh, the attendance of the ATX Festival was really interesting. Um, I was texting you guys because Adrian Palicki tweeted out a picture of all of the people who were there. Um, I didn't realize that um, Zach Guilford and Taylor Kitsch and Amy Teagarden and Minka Kelly didn't actually go. They did that in Chicago. The Zach Spartan. Guilford went. Zach Guilford went for his wife's thing like the night before, um, but he uh, wasn't at the... The, um, the reunion itself. Yeah. So, uh, so the the picture that Adrian Palicki tweeted was so funny. Um, we were texting each other trying to figure out. We were like, "Wait, who are the people in this picture?" Like Hastings, Ruckle was in it. Um, the yeah. toughest one to figure out was um, uh, Luke Cafferty's dad was there. <laughs> he was in like two episodes. Yeah the the cast reunion was not as impressive as I expected it to be. Right, but it shows who like the diehards are. That yeah. like Palicki and like. Um, Stacey Oristano and Derek Phillips, like they're fucking down for that shit. Yeah, like, and we had mentioned we had mentioned this on the text that uh, Saracen's grandmother was there, Lorraine. Saracen, yes, and she. W- if you listen to the Friday Night Lights podcast, we are the butcher two, two least fans. Yeah. of Elaine, Lorraine Saracen, but her Twitter during the reunion Lit. was amazing. I think I follow her now. Really? Um, yeah, <laughs> she, so she seems just like a nice woman. She's just a nice old lady. She plays lady. an old idiot on TV. <laughs> like, I don't even know how old she is. Like, she... She's she pretty old. Yeah, she looks but... Weathered. Uh, yeah, but... I mean... She, she looks fine, like I would. No, oh, uh, no. Nice. Um, no. Um, she's not a baby, so I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> That's... There's the third baby fucking we're, we're, we're a baby now, fucking podcast. According to John Feilberg, we are officially a baby fucking podcast. Um... But yeah, like, oh, fuck, I, I really wish that I was there. Um, Same. I think it's it's for the best for Derek Phillips that we weren't there because <laughs> yeah. we would have been like, oh, like, remember, we're friends. And he'd be like, dude, I was on your podcast once. Like, relax. Um, 
So uh, we should get to the reviews because we did get some FNL-related uh, reviews. Um, do you have these up? Should we stick our teeth into them? Yes, we have uh, 69 ratings on iTunes, yes, we by have, the way. And people have actually told not, us. People have not yeah. uh, left They've stopped reviews, reviewing yeah. because they want us to just have 69. Um, Which I'm, I, I appreciate that. I thank you very much. Now we, we are able to mention the fact that we have 69 ratings right? on the podcast. Now, now go back to reviewing. Now shoot for 6,969. Yeah. <laughs> um, 69,000. Yes. Um, so uh, go for number 44. I don't have numbers, so oh, okay. you're going to have to just... Pick one. And All right. Well, I wanted to do uh, the last one, which is my thing. Do the second to last one because the, um, the last one. I so my senior prom date left to review. Oh, is so, that the one that you're seeing? Bon, uh, no, I'm I'm just going. Oh, okay. Because uh, there's oh because we were two weeks behind because we yeah, didn't do any last. Okay, exactly. go for it. Yeah. So bomb.com for my senior prom date uh even though 99 percent of the time i know nothing about the topics that they're talking about i'm thoroughly entertained definitely worth listening to start to finish um let's see uh weekly pleasure says aaron f i've come to view brunch as a perfect friday escape from doing actual work the true light the true highlight though is their week-long fnl series i never knew how much i needed for boston hockey idiots taking this nearly uh, perfect show apart in such a loving way. The interviews were insightful and fun, and the roundtable was just ridiculous enough to be hilarious. We'll probably keep listening. Probably. <laughs> we got the five stars. Whatever. Fuck yeah. you, Aaron. I'm writing this review so that DJ reads it on the podcast. Bummer, I'm reading it. Love the show. And Bruins Cup Champions 2017. Good stuff from Hamsta Man. I did not see that one. Um... This was a big one. We shared this one on the old Soch. Uh, Two dudes, one closet, says STS. Um, America's power podcast couple takes on pop culture. You may wonder how they hold a day job and still have time to watch every TV show and movie made to date, but it saves me time on figuring out what's worth watching. Not sure who let a 12-year-old co-host a podcast, but him and Deej bring you takes on summer festival apparel for men you never thought you needed to hear. 10 out of 10 would recommend. That's exactly what we're fucking looking for. (laughs) That is uh, amazing because it, it seems like they're being mean, and then they just said like ten out of ten would definitely recommend. Or but something. here's the like we're both like pretty self-deprecating cats. Like we'll like make fun of how metrosexual we are or whatever, yeah. and like we, I still give myself a five out of five. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can like you can tell. And like usually, you can tell in the first few sentences of a review where it's going. Yeah. And so like the first few sentences, you're like, "Oh fuck, this person hates us." Right. And yeah. And they're like, "Wow, ten out of ten, awesome podcast." <laughs> so thanks. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Octave is blue. Uh, one of the best pop culture podcasts. Bean Blackburn. Need I say more? Oh, I do. Okay. Well, these two fun, funny, smart sports. Sports Ritters. Ritters. <laughs> Sports Ritters. Shouts John uh, Ritter. Uh, during hockey season, during hockey season, check out DJ Bean's Sunday Skate on the WEI podcast. There's someone uh, else on that yeah, show. Thanks, but... thanks a lot. Uh, and it's not a podcast, but right. go on. Um, talk everything from Better Call Saul, homophobia, sports, movies, on and on. Sure, there are a lot of pop culture podcasts podcast, uh, out there, but I mean it. This is truly one of the best. The time just flies by. Excellent. That, that's that's what we're looking for. Um, this is a good one. This is my favorite one from Kyle uh, Trey ninety one. Unbelievable week, he says. I binged the FNL podcasts faster than I binged Friday nights. 
and way faster. I'm assuming he means Friday Night Lights and way faster than Pete's growth spurt lasted and even faster than DJ picked up a Canadian accent working in Boston and far faster than Pete would last in bed with Tom Brady. Boom. A little casual homophobia in there. Uh, five out of five he gives us. So um, awesome. Those are reviews. Uh, again, we're happy that we were able to stop at 69, but now we move on from 69. Now it's just a race to other numbers that have six and nine in them, and we promise we'll point it out every time we reach one of those. All the nice times in your life come to an end eventually. Yes, so, exactly. Yeah, go to iTunes, uh, search brunch, and leave us a review. Five stars, we'll read it on the podcast. Uh, this is the second Ellie Goulding uh, ish podcast we've done. Our first this is podcast. not becoming an Ellie Goulding podcast. It will be Goulding, so, by the way. I don't know why you always say Goulding. Is it? It's, it's Golding. Golding? Yeah. Well, she spells it G-O-U. Yeah, it's, it's Golding. She spells it like... I remember bringing this up the first time we had the podcast. I was like, wait a minute. Is it Goulding or is it Golding? Really? It's Golding, yeah. Ellie Golding. Did I just say it right? Yes. Okay. Do I say Golding? Mm-hmm. I've said it to so many you people. You Golding. I wonder like how many every... people are like, oh, yeah, I know DJ. He's <laughs> that fucking idiot who can't say Ellie Golding's name right. If um, somebody wanted to criticize you on something, they have plenty of other options to right. work with. Yeah, but... <laughs> this might be a front runner. Um, so, much in the way that we got Bieber tickets, uh, I ran it back yesterday, uh, Wednesday. I tweeted like three hours before the show, like, yo, someone hook it up with LEG tickets. Someone did promptly. Um, you uh, went to a baseball game, so you couldn't go. And also, you and Ellie maybe aren't um, not on the best of terms to be in the same place. Um, you can listen to our first episode if you want. How that great story. would it was that our very first episode? That was our first episode. Wow, okay. Yeah. How great would it be if I just tried to show up to an Ellie Gould Ellie Golden oh, concert yeah. and then they just like I was on a blacklist and they just like, right. threw me in a dumpster behind the garden? Well, shit! I'll tell you that dumpster would have been pretty much as populated as the floor at the TD Garden. Uh, that show was the opposite of sold out. It was. Um, wow. She was good, and she put on a good show. I, I do have a, a bone to pick with uh, how her show is executed that I'll get to. But, um, man, it like the floor was like 30 to 40% full. That's it was, incredible. And the 300s, so we were in the 300s, and the 300s were like, like just like, yeah, like a, a, an occasional person here and there. Like some rows were kind of full. Um, and people were sitting down because it was so empty up there. Like, wow. like I was up there for like two or three songs with my buddy, and I was just like leaning against a rail, like just kind of hanging out, um, like tweeting. <laughs> like, wow. It was, um, yeah, it was really empty. So we moved down, um, and we moved to the Loge, and that was like super easy to do because That's bizarre because she's a pretty big star, and there have been far less talented people who have sold out, the garden. out the garden. Yeah, um, so that was disappointing. Uh, but she put on a good show. Here's my issue. I don't know what people are trying to make Ellie Goulding out to be. Um, she's a pop singer who does some really cool electronic stuff, and she has a really, really interesting voice. I don't like when they... and they, they, We might have had this conversation um, when she played uh, before week one of the football season, which led to her Your spat with up. you. Yeah. Um, they They put a guitar on her, and... She, like, strums a few chords and everything. And it's like, that guitar's not on, dude. (laughs) Like, 
I, I hate I hate that so much. I hate when pop stars try to pretend like they're artists. Right. I, I Nick said that, Jonas yes, is a... Yeah. And I said that during Justin Bieber when he did like his acoustic set right. during the Bieber concert. Like, you're a pop artist. You right. are just... You're employed to make jams. Nobody believes that you're a fucking Picasso right. of music. Right. You don't need to pretend like to be a Like, they need your voice in the studio for like an artist. hour at a time, and that's all that they need from you musically. Like, yeah, we discussed... So he was... Bieber was playing... This like acoustic, um, like very, uh, very like minor seven filled arrangement of "Love Yourself," and it's like, Biebs, you did not come up with that arrangement. Someone like a musician came up with that and fucking taught you how to play that yes. on guitar. It's not cool that you're doing that. Um, so she, uh, one song towards the end of her set, like she threw the guitar on, and everyone's like, like all twenty people that were there were like. Yeah, Ellie, like you badass. And she, like the riff or whatever is like, it's like, don't you do, don't you do, don't. And she's just like strumming up and down like eighth notes. Like it is not in line with what we're hearing. And we're only hearing one guitar. So it's like, and I can see your fucking guitarist <laughs> over there playing guitar to the rhythm of what I'm hearing right now. And I'm wondering, does. Like, how many people that are most watching people, that fucking buy it? But most people who go to an Ellie Golding concert probably aren't that that inclined to notice but that. But it's, like, like, it's so apparent. Yeah. Like, okay. I wasn't, I didn't witness it, but I'm... You would have, I mean, you noticed the thing with Biebs. You yeah. would have definitely noticed that. Um, and I was sharing an Uber pool on the way back with these two girls, and they were sa- they were like, my favorite thing about Ellie is that she's just like a fucking like badass. Like, she's playing guitar, and like, one of the girls said she was shredding, and I was like, oh. I'm gonna fucking kill you. No, she wasn't <laughs> shredding. Um... And I don't know why they do that. Like, why do they give Nick Jonas a guitar and tell him, go play a guitar solo? Isn't Nick Jonas like, dude, again, like, I just make jams with my voice. <laughs> and they're great. And then, like, the bass drops and everything's cool. I'm not here to be fucking Eric Clapton. Um, so that's my little complaint with Ellie Goulding. Um, now, if history is any indication... Ellie is going to do a podcast <laughs> about uh, why like, we're both going to die before we're 30 or something, because that's just the way that, that Ellie conducts her business. But overall, fun time, good concert. Um, Speaking of Ellie Gould- Golding, God damn, yes. you keep, uh, fuck, keep fucking uh, me up with this. Speaking, speaking of Ellie Golding, uh, one of the members of, her, or of Taylor Swift's posse, yes. uh, Taylor Swift has been in the news this week. Yes. Uh, huge shouts to her. Big congrats. Did she yes. overcame a lot of adversity and was able to win the Taylor Swift Award at the BMI Pop Awards, which are very prestigious. Ta- Taylor Swift just taking home all the awards, including the first ever Taylor Swift Award. Which that you can't allow that to happen if you're a celebrity. You can't have an you have award to say, like, named. No. Yeah, I'd yeah. say no. No, I don't want I'm the flattered. first edition of my award. Yeah. Um. So it was given to her, quote unquote, in recognition. Um, of her creative and artistic talent and influence. That's kind of a tough sell. You could give that to literally yeah. anybody. <laughs> and like I, you can say influence because influence just means you're really, really popular. Yeah. But it's like, so you're saying that Taylor Swift is the most artistic fucking person in the world right now? No. No. Um, no. That would be true. like... I'm trying to think. Like, it's basically over-exaggerating a thing that's kind of true about her. Like, I'm trying to think, like, what would the Pete Blackburn award be? Like, 
it would be like the Pete, like Pete won the first ever Pete Blackburn award for like proficiency in computing. And it's <laughs> like, well, doesn't like, like build giving, computers like or anything. Giving me award for like, like the actual creation of GIFs, gifts. You're right. Like, yeah, exactly. Like I didn't invent gifts. Right. I just, I just make them. So that's oversold. That's, I don't know how her team and everybody was okay was like, with that. This is a good idea. And then they put it on the front page <laughs> yeah. of her website. Her front page is just like, congratulations to Taylor, Taylor for Swift. winning the Taylor Swift Award. Yeah. And it's like, dude, like you don't see how... It just gives me douche chills. It's, yeah. it's really weird and, and creepy and bad. But also, she is a uh, new romance this week as well. I don't know if you saw this. No. By oh, the, it's a, she was, so she was kissing a British guy. I saw a clickbait that was like... It's not a British guy. It's Tom Hiddleston. Really? Yes. Well... Tom Hiddleston, the actor, who is Loki in, like, The Avengers. Yeah. And um, the night manager he's in now, and also rumored to be the next James Bond. We... Didn't we have this conversation on Twitter? Someone... Yeah, someone asked us on Twitter... Hot or uh, not. They, it was, the, the question was like, hey, like settle a debate between me and my bros is tom hiddleston hot or not that made my heart fucking soar with the eagles because it means that we've cultivated it being okay for guys to sit around and talk about hot guys um you said hot Hot, i said not i said like he's fine i would but uh, (laughs) there's a little callback humor um like he's fine. He's not. I don't think. I wouldn't call him particularly hot. I'd say he's benching way the fuck out of his weight class with uh, with Taylor. Really? Yeah. Mm, yeah. I don't. I don't. I think they're very similar in terms of like physical. Uh, uh, atmosphere. Have we discussed Taylor's looks on this podcast? I don't probably not think so because she's a woman. Right. We don't have time <laughs> for talking about which girls are hot. Um, no. I, I think that they're very. They're very like similar in that they're both like beautiful people and they're like skinny and gaunt and right. and so i think There's, they're a good match for each other they give designers and like makeup artists like a lot of stuff to work with yeah like taylor can do a bunch of different looks. they're like in the model right. kind of category of of looks yeah i mean i think that taylor swift is i mean i'll tell you all day um i'll break down her deficiencies as a singer as a performer and everything. I, I, you know, I fucking love her to bits. She's not the most talented person in the world, but I think that looks wise, I think it is such a fucking dumb take when people are like, ah, oh, they, she just, she just like hot like a celebrity's hot. Like she's, she'd be whatever in real life. So I think she's gorgeous. I think that she's gorgeous. Um, and this is what happens when I, I also tell just people like that call I, people though. So maybe <laughs> yeah, that's it. I don't right. for good reason. Yeah. Um, this is what happens when I tell people that I love Taylor Swift. They're like, oh, yeah, me too. She's, she's wicked hot. It's like, okay, I understand. I, I get that she's she's gorgeous. Yeah, I will I will say that. But I'm not, like, sexual... I'm not at all sexually attracted to Taylor Swift. Not at all. Okay. She has no sexual, like, appeal to me. Going. Really? So, like, yeah, like... So, but basically, basically what I'm saying is that, like, I love Taylor Swift for her music. You know what? So, I'm the, this... So, I, I didn't really understand what you're getting at. I'm the same way with Sarah Bareilles. Like, I love, like, love. Like, I, she's like, Sarah Bareilles is in my fucking heart. Like, I'm not. This conversation if I met is Sarah not Bareilles, helping our gay, our <laughs> right. gay appeal. Um, 
But like, if I people say all the time, like, oh, Sarah Burrells has to get a restraining order against you and everything. It's like, no, I'm not trying to fuck Sarah Burrells. Exactly. Like, that's that's a good way to put it. I'm not trying to fuck Taylor Swift. Yeah. Like when when Taylor Swift broke up with with Calvin Harris, a bunch of people tweeted at me being like, well, "Now's your chance." Right. And I'm just like. I don't want to fuck Taylor Swift. Feidelberg wants to fuck Taylor Definitely Swift. Definitely does want to fuck her. Uh, uh, I think Taylor Swift would be an absolutely terrible lay. Um, I'd be, I'd just be too worried the whole time. That you were going to like break her? Not that I would break her. I was going to say, maybe. because you are not in the position to be worrying about that. Right, that's the thing. Like, I'm not even a strong, but like, she's gotten so skinny that maybe I would. Now you're just giving me another thing to worry about, but it's like... Is this going to be a fucking song? I know it's cliche. Like, oh, I, I would fucking, I'd fucking love it if I had sex with Taylor Swift and then she made a song about me. I would love it. So you'd be like real estate in your head much? That's yeah, m- yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that would be like the only reason that I would want to fuck Taylor Swift is for the potential you're so that you vain <laughs> that you want a song to be exactly, written about you. Exactly, exactly. Um, uh, so yeah, like that's that's the thing. I I'm not into Taylor Swift sexually, and I just think that she's gorgeous. I'm going to say I'm not into it just because, like, I'm guessing I'm probably not going to have sex with Taylor Swift. <laughs> so people are like, "Hey, Deej, you never really losing anything. You didn't end up having sex with Taylor Swift, did you?" I'm like, "Yeah, I just wasn't that. that I wasn't. What's I wasn't into, into it. it. <laughs> yeah, so it didn't happen. Um, I, I just got out of the hospital because of Moo, though. But that's a different story. No, that's not. I happen. was actually just talking about. Uh, I texted Feidelberg last night um, when I found out about Taylor Swift and Tom Hiddleston. And we were both like both really angry about it for some reason, and I think that it's just it's it's too soon after the Calvin Harris thing. Like, n- not that I really give a fuck about like Taylor Swift and her personal relationships or whatever, but like she just got out of that relationship, and now we're gonna have to we already have to like start seeing all these fucking BuzzFeed right. articles about like her and Tom Hiddleston and fucking all this bullshit. Since we're getting way out there and talking about girls' looks, I'm going to say this. Um, when I went to her website to confirm that she did indeed congratulate herself on winning an award about herself, um, she's not looking like how I want her to look these days. Uh, she's got that, I don't know if it's called platinum blonde or whatever. It's like a very like white blonde that I think if that's your actual hair color, like not necessarily albino, but like... If that's like your actual hair color, like what's her face? The girl who plays um, the girl who plays Scarlet in Nashville. All my Nashies, Sagan. Oh. If you're out there, you know you know who I'm talking about. Um, I know what you're saying that. Like yeah. she, like it's like almost it's white. like this like fluffy white hair, or whatever. Yeah. Like that is fucking beautiful. I think but when a girl dyes her hair that color, it's not for me. It's uh, it's. And looks, I think it's still a like a left, left over from the. That photo shoot that she did with what was it, uh, Vogue? Yes, and you was, came down hard on that because she looked cokey. She looked, yeah, she looked very cokey. Yeah, yes, and um, it was not received well when I said that, but I stand by it. Why was that? Is that well like- because I said that she looked like she was cracked out, and somebody said that they that they that meant that I was calling her a crack whore, and that like I, if I want to call her a crack whore, I should just call her a crack whore. And I was like, well, if I wanted to call her a crack whore, I'd call her a crack you probably whore. Probably would have, yeah, and saying somebody looks cracked out isn't the same as calling them a crack whore. Dude, I know a lot of guys who I would describe as like, as oh, he looking looks... Looking cra- cracked yeah. out. Yeah. That's not... So... And I'm... she is like... she. So she really doesn't need that help right. looking cokey and, and Because she's and a, crack, a very like rarely-looking person. That's her body type. Right. Her build is going to lend itself to that. So Yes, exactly. It's Yeah, it's like if I wear the wrong... Sh- type of sunglasses my face looks a million times fatter and i fucking know and i know which kinds so i stay away from those kinds like i know what my 
what's going to accentuate the wrong parts of my body, which is why I don't take pictures from the waist down because fuck <laughs> my thighs. No, I'm just kidding. And it's like she's she's gorgeous enough that like that for her to be in vogue, she didn't like I didn't felt like she didn't need to kind of go down that yeah. weird road like I want I would love just a regular photo shoot of Taylor Swift. I would enjoy that a, the that a lot. The best look Taylor Swift has ever had is in the Shake It Off video. Um, she's wearing, I think, a black long sleeve shirt, black pants, and flats. And she just has, like, her natural hair color and red lipstick. And it's like, holy fuck. Like, that is, like, that's like a fucking porn version of a Gap commercial. <laughs> and it is perfect. So, yeah, she, like, I think that with her... The simpler, the better. And you know, based on my taste in some other women like like Moo, I'm not opposed to like weird. Out getting there. weird. Yeah. Like if you want to get weird, fucking by all means. But I think the Taylor is better off when she's just very um when she goes classic. for classic. Yeah, exactly. Classic looks. Um Silicon Valley uh has been Fire Flames this season, as we've discussed. Um Russ Hanneman came back. Came back, thank God. L- missed him. And Which is surpri- so surprising. He told us that, that he wasn't going to come back. Yeah. He said, well, I think it was something along the lines of like, it would have to be, he did the like, the it whole, would like, have to be the right yeah. situation. And they needed a liaison between Richard and, um, what's Lori? Yeah. Um, they Ehrlich needed, and they needed Lori to like fill of. out that story yeah. as like, how did Lori end up fucking over Ehrlich? So working, so bringing in, um, Russ was the perfect way to do that. So it wasn't forced at all. Um, it wasn't overdone. It was, brief, it was yeah. one short scene. Um, and it was great. Like great it would scene. happen in real life. Like he yeah. ran into him. Uh, at a big conference where they would be, where it makes sense for him to be. Where a billionaire would be. Yeah. They didn't run um, into each other at like fucking Starbucks or something. Uh, lots of friends have said to this. I don't have enough friends to say lots, <laughs> lots of, friends. of friends. Um, Some people have told me that they'll definitely be utilizing his Apple move. I can't. I'm allergic to fruit. Um, but you don't take the bite of the apple and then just fucking off the f- armpit of the, <laughs> of the elbow, right? And just because I've seen people do that before. in the like, general direction of crowds, <laughs> like you're supposed to like bounce it to yourself. Yeah, and like in catch you let it go, hit it with your elbow thing, and, yeah. and then send it up in the air, and then catch it again. I so I actually don't have an elbow because my arms are so small that it's actually missing parts of the <laughs> arm. Uh, so I couldn't do that, but. Uh, yeah, he just fucking thought, like he keeps looking straight too. He's walking like does not give a fuck. Where it sends it's it into a up. crowd. He's it's a very best. wasteful person, which I like. Um, his scene where he has the drink at the hotel bar and uh, they serve it to him as Richard shows up, and he's like, "Oh, okay, let's go in there," and he just leaves the the drink without taking a sip. It's fucking. It's the best. Wonderful and wasteful. Um, uh, one of our the guests on today's show is Jimmy O Yang who yes. plays Jin Yang in Silicon Valley, who is one of the two standouts of this season, I believe. It's him, and it's, um, uh, what's, his, what's his name? Zach. Uh, oh, Jared. Jared, yeah. Yeah. Them two are the, the brightest uh, minor players outside of, you know, like the obvious Ehrlich and, yeah. and, and the rest of the crew. Which is... So funny, but like that's not a slight either. That two characters who have been on the show from since the third episode was Jin Yang's first episode. Obviously, Jared's in the entire series. Um, that they're the best part 
is they're coming into their own. Right. Like it just means that they didn't need to add a bunch of other people. Like it's not like we're not saying they didn't add anybody funny enough, so I guess Jin Yang and Jared are funny. Jared's just gone into another stratosphere. Yeah. Uh, Jin Yang, they basically just took him from kind of back like Billy Riggins esque. Um, they just ramped him up a lot and because there's no real Russ Hanneman. They had the other CEO um, who was good. He was Fine, fine, but he wasn't there to be Russ Hanneman. Um, And they needed kind of an asshole who can occasionally sprinkle in some fuck-ups. And Jin Yang is doing that uh, superbly. So, yeah, we're looking forward to talking to him. He's a... uh, He sounds... When he talks, he sounds like Chris Rock, which is funny. I See, I don't don't see it, but I'll believe you. Well, watch his stand-up. He... Um, I did watch a little bit of his stand-up. Yeah, he, uh, it's funny. Um, he, he, the way he just kind of barks out uh, what he's saying, it's just so funny. It, it blew my mind the first time I was watching it because or like, I knew that he was a stand-up comedian, so I was like, is, does he talk like Jin Yang? Because maybe that's funny. Like, I, know, I, I know someone who's a stand-up comedian, and she just talks really, really slowly and deliberately, and that's funny. So I thought that was his act, and then I watched it, and I was like, oh, fuck, like, this guy... <laughs> It's like this guy's lived in New York his whole life, which I think he's actually, he's from Hong Kong, moved to L.A. But, um, yeah, so he should be kick-ass. Looking forward to touching on a bunch of shit with him, so let's just jump into that bullshit. Jimmy O. Yang plays uh, Jin Yang on Silicon Valley. He's one of our favorite characters. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at FunnyAsianDude. Uh, his website is JimmyComedy.com. Uh, Jimmy, my first question for you is, do you get recognized as Jin Yang in public? Because my guess is, based on like your stand-up comedy and the way you actually walk around normally, that you wouldn't get recognized because you're not like lethargic enough in real life. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's interesting. Actually, I do wear glasses a lot uh, in real life. Just sometimes when I do stand, I take it off. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, so yeah, I I do get recognized, and people are always surprised that I actually speak English. See, which that is was, uh, that was my that was my point because like I didn't know until like I did some research into like you as an actor. Like I really had no idea, which I which I yeah. guess is a credit to you, you playing the character. Right, when people say that, you know, it's kind of funny, but to me, it's it's like a compliment. Like, I've Daniel Day-Lewis, my role so hard, you can't, they, they thought I was actually super Asian. <laughs> um, you referenced, uh, during a, a Reddit AMA, like, very briefly, but like, you said something along the lines of, when you first moved here uh, to the States from Hong Kong, that you were similar to Jin Yang, just because you didn't speak English uh, fluently. Uh is Jin Yang actually modeled after a younger version of yourself? Uh, for me, when I got the script, yeah. I mean, I didn't write the character. Um, the geniuses behind the scenes did. Uh, but absolutely, uh, I can relate to him very well because I came to this country when I was 13. I'm, I'm sure Jin Yang came to this country a little later. He, he's more fresh off the boat than I am currently. But when I first came here in uh, 13, I went to eighth grade and... Just imagine, you know, a kid can barely speak English, and, and he's in, like, Los Angeles Unified School District trying to navigate his way. It's kind of lost, you know, and you got to kind of use your humor, use your wit to kind of get out of certain situations. 
I was going to say, like, were you funny as a result? Like, because Jin Yang doesn't speak English well, but he's also an asshole wherever he can be. Like, he's, I, I feel like he doesn't feel that his lack of English is as much a crutch as, or as much a, uh, a weakness as it actually is. He's like, fuck it, I'm just going for it. Yeah, he's very confident in his lack of language skills, which is, which is why, you know, I think a lot of people like him, and I, that's why I like him. Because he has an accent, but deep down, like, he's kind of, he just, you know, fucks around with people, which is awesome. Um, so, uh, I would say the non-English speaking part and the immigrant part was based on me 15 years ago when I moved to this country. And the asshole part is just based on me currently. <laughs> uh, how did they explain the character to you when you initially tried out for it? Zero explanation. Zero. Here, here, here's the script. Go audition for it. You get it. Okay, good. Here you go. He's funny. Let's go. So, like, did, so like, speaking that slowly and everything, like, th- there was no direction there. Um, you know, this role started off as a really small part when I auditioned for it. Just like the and, guy who uh, opens it, the door, right? In that right. Time. It was literally that. That was what I auditioned for. It was like two or three lines. This is Pi Piper. All that. Yeah. So then, you know. Um, I didn't think much of it, and then I went on set. They liked me, and I was improving with the guys. But yeah, um, all the mannerisms, uh, all the slowness, and all that—it developed over time. But initially, I guess I came up with that based on my observation of other Asian immigrants, and you know, from me doing stand-up, and obviously from my own life. From my own life. You mentioned uh, improv. Uh, Thomas Middleditch is fucking amazing at improv. Who who uh, is the best on set? Would you say? They are equally as amazing, I gotta say. Um, Zach Woods come up with like a whole backstory sometimes, which is just amazing. Uh, yeah, and then a lot of the stuff uh, with the improv, um, they actually keep in the in the script, or they end up writing in the script, which is amazing. Um, you know, sometimes I don't remember what was actually written on the script, and I gotta go back and read it. Like um, this past episode, when Thomas said, "Monica fucked us." She pulled down our pants and fucked us right in front of our parents. <laughs> and, and then Zach Woods was like, well, well, I'm sorry, like, did that actually happen to you when you were a kid? He's like, no, 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 I don't know why I said that. And that part was so funny to me. I had to look back in the script. I'm like, was that actually written? And it wasn't. The, the script just ended as monitor fucked us. So Thomas just came up with all that, you know, fucking in front of parents stuff, which is incredible. Um, but yeah, uh, I say Thomas, Zach, and TJ, and I mean, Martin and... Dinesh and, and Kumail, they're equally as good. But Zach Woods come up with some amazing stuff, different stuff every take. Zach Woods, respons- his responses to either things that Richard says or just like the little factoids he sprinkles into what he's saying. Like, what does he say? Like, he mentions stillbirth at some point in like a point he's trying to make. And it's like, but it's supposed to be like a motivational business thing. And he's talking about yeah. stillbirth. Like, I always want, like, how much of that actually is him improving because all you all you ever hear about Zach Woods is that he's just this master of, of improv. Absolutely. I mean he is. And and the writers are masters of writing on the show. They're they're incredible. So they're able to after, you know, um Jared kind of became this character that Zach Woods helped, you know, craft it. I think, you know, the writers are able to write along those lines better. And then Zach would embellish on it. But the writing is so good sometimes like um like for the prank call stuff. <laughs> You know, usually with me and TJ, like, we just kind of, we cross-shoot. There's a lot of improving, and we've we, we got a good chemistry, so we just, you know, we mess around with each other. But, like, all the prank calling stuff, it was just written so well. It's like, do I, 
like, am I going to come up with something else that's better? And I'm like, no, it's just, it's kind of perfect. How, how many of those different prank calls and how many takes of those did you do? Uh, I did a few different takes and, uh, you know, there, there, there might be a little, a couple more prank calls coming. Fuck yes, that's the best news ever. <laughs> that's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, the the best prank call definitely though was uh, I, I know that like the, the the Mike Hunt one and the uh, with the refrigerator running like the combination of those in the same prank is amazing. <laughs> Jin Yang, Eric Bachman, is your refrigerator running? This is Mike Hunt. But the this is your mom. You're not my baby. It's like so it's yeah. like this this man who doesn't speak English and like he's slowly picking up these little jokes that he's trying to make. Like where the fuck did he hear this is your mom, you're not my baby? Exactly. And that's why when I first read the script, like it was super random. I was like, Oh man, it's just gonna work. Then we read and table I'm like, this is kinda perfect because it's just random enough. And just offensive enough that you can right. see this kid coming up with this. You probably read it on the internet, or he thinks it's super cool that nobody's ever done this. So and, he says it with confidence. And does it from the other room, right, directly they, in sight. <laughs> and you're not <laughs> laughing as you do it either. Like, they show you coming up with this joke and making it, and even when when uh, Ehrlich is looking at you, you just have this expressionless look on your face. Like, it's uh, it's unbelievable. Um on the subject of improv, I'm wondering, uh, so you're obviously a stand-up comedian, um, and these other guys on the show have such extensive improv backgrounds. Uh, did you, have you, had you done much in improv comedy before this show? I've done some improv, I've done some UCB stuff, but compared to those guys, they're like masters of their yeah. craft. Um, but I think coming from stand-up, you know, you learn a lot about the comedy timing, a lot, you know, also improv and crowd work, things like that, that definitely helps. At the end of the day, it just comes down to creativity and timing, right? Uh, not as much as, say, technique of actual, you know, method acting right. uh, for the show in particular. Uh, obviously, I think all of them are great actors at the same time, but mostly what sets them apart is the improv and the comedic timing of everything. Is it easier to improv with great improvisers, or um, do you? F- is it more kind of intimidating? No, because, like, you know, if you just throw lines at TJ, he's going to respond and with something funnier. And his improv keeps you alive. So you're not, you're not just line reading. You've got to be sharp. You've got to be ready to come back at what he's saying, you know. And it's not just words, right? It's, like, body movements and, and things like that. So I think uh, a lot of that comes out, makes the show come out more naturally. And, um, yeah, it's just we have a ton of fun doing that on set also. Who, uh, but also, who, who, it, okay. I, I guess the other thing is uh, sometimes you just, you just crack up. You just can't help it. I was, it. I was yeah. just going to say, who breaks the most on set? Oh, man. Um, TJ, surprisingly, never breaks. <laughs> uh, and Zach never breaks. He's very good at just staying with it. Uh, Thomas breaks sometimes. Um, I remember, I think it was, uh, was it season two, that Taco Bell scene. That's like oh, the only yeah. time I had a scene with Thomas, I believe. That's what Pete was saying beforehand. He was like, we, we've noticed that, I mean, you're pretty much exclusively locked in with Ehrlich, but yeah, that's like your right. one thing with Thomas. We're talking about this. Um, I think TJ was saying this, that it would be funny if I only had interactions with Ehrlich and it turns out I'm just a figment of his imagination. He smokes enough. <laughs> right. <laughs> But then, but then obviously, you know, I had the conversation with Thomas and I think uh, Zach, no, Martin, with that one scene. Um, 
But, uh, yeah, that Taco Bell stuff, I mean, I, I, we had this whole back and forth with Big Meat. <laughs> yes. And uh, we're just both crack. I mean, I crack up at at my own character sometimes, too. It's, it's just like, I mean, I, you, you understand you're playing this kind of um, uh, outlandish, ridiculous guy, and but you love him, you know? So so it's it's like uh, I, I make myself crack up, too. Um, you were offered another series before they made you a regular on Silicon Valley, right? Oh, yeah. How'd you know about that? Uh, I fucking know everything about you, dude. Don't worry about it. No, um, wow. uh, I, I, it was either in an AMA or an interview or something. Um, but uh, I'm wondering, did you know at the time that you were going to become a regular, or were you like, I gotta stick with the Silicon Valley thing, and you sort of took a leap of faith with them? I, I told my agent, I mean, you know, we gotta do anything possible to stick with Silicon Valley because the other show was, as you know, all these pilots. You, you, you never know what's going to happen. And I mean, this show got picked up the series, but it was like a freshman series and, and you just don't know what's going to happen. And Silicon Valley is already going to the second season, being nominated for an Emmy and, you know, Golden Globe. So I'm like, I don't care if I'm just a, still, you know, not a regular, let's just stay with it. So we asked and they liked me enough to make me as a regular to kind of match the offer of the other place. And uh, we lived happily ever after. How do you feel about uh, your playing time, um, I guess? Uh, like, I, I look at characters that um, get sprinkled in from time to time, like Jean Ralphio or whatever in um, mm-hmm. in Parks and Rec, and there's such uh, a danger in potentially kind of, like, overdoing it. Do you think that you're used enough? Do you think that... Uh, do, do you worry about, like, getting used too much, anything like that? As an actor, I mean, you always want more screen time, right? And mm-hmm. and you just want more shine, and you want to be the center of attention. But I kind of get it, you know. I I don't I don't ever complain about that or anything. And uh, I know I serve a certain purpose, being like the comedic relief of this comedy in itself. And sometimes the plot does get pretty intense. So I get it, and uh, you know, I just trust the writers to put me in situations that are you know right. And uh, yeah, I. I mean, growing up watching TV when I first came to America, I don't know if you guys remember this, on the Martin Lawrence show, the funniest guy was this guy named Brahman, Brahman from the fifth floor. Okay. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that, but he comes up every now and then. He was just like the funniest guy to me. And I always, growing up, I want to be that guy, just like this random side guy like the that Kramer. comes in. Yeah, and every time he comes in, it's a laugh. Mm-hmm. You know, because other characters, like especially Thomas, you got to carry a lot of plot also. Yeah. So I think that's why, you know, people people do like the Jinian characters cause, because, you know, when he appears on the screen, it's a joke or it's, it's something funny. Well, I was going to ask that, because, like, as a stand-up comedian, you're used to, like, delivering punchline after punchline after punchline. Is it, um, mm-hmm. is it different? Is it an adjustment to kind of be... Because there, there's never a scene that's like, all right, Jinian walks in and he does this and everyone reacts and that's what the scene is about. Normally, it's this thing is going on and Jinian comes in and fucks it up or something like is it easier to like wait in the weeds and just kind of be the the reactionary sort of comic yeah i guess um it's just part of acting right it, it's like a lot a lot of the comedy doesn't come from that a punchline it's not a multi-can sitcom with a laugh track it's not two broke girls so a lot of it is the reaction and and the the face with no expression as you say that was actually mike judge mike judge's genius uh to to a lot of degrees because we came up with that when we were just doing the fish scene, like one of my first scenes, the, I.e. the fish thing. Yeah. 
And the only direction that Mike gave me was like, just, just hold still. Just, just do what you're doing. Just hold completely still. Don't do anything for like a good three seconds. And then I, I wasn't doing anything. I just held still and looked at like uh, Ehrlich and, and everybody, like all the crew started cracking up. So we knew then we found something, even just in the fact that I, I wasn't saying anything. It was kind of funny. I guess I just looked funny. <laughs> um, I'm curious. Are, are you, uh, have you watched Master of None? Yeah, I watched a little bit of that. Did you, uh, did you happen to see the episode where they kind of touched on um, like the difficulty for Indian actors getting jobs in Hollywood? Mm, no, I haven't seen that. Well, they touched on it, and they basically had mentioned that like uh, it's it's tough to get like a regular role as a as an Indian actor in in Hollywood. Uh, I was curious to see like there's a, a lot that's been made about Asian actors in Hollywood. Um, did mm-hmm. you kind of feel? Uh, I mean, like this is kind of like a caricature role. Um, what were your thoughts heading into that, playing a role like that? I see a lot. Of, I I know friends that like Asian friends that don't do an accent, period. You know what I mean? Mm. I think this character has developed over time that the comedy comes beyond the accent, you know? It's just this... But he, he's not... I mean, yeah, everybody on the show is kind of nerdy, and, and the stereotype's like, nerdy Asian guy, whatever, right? But then, like you said, like you wouldn't describe him as this nerdy kid. You'd describe him as this guy that comes and just fucks everybody's shit up and, like, kind of an asshole. So I think that itself gives him a lot of character. And... um I think really when you say, um, I, I, I don't think it's a caricature, but uh, the reason why I think a lot of people don't do accents is because then you go into a hole where, um, you know, oh, Asian actors are only doing Asian accent roles. See, I, I, I necessarily, I, I don't share that point of view because, you know, I came here as an immigrant, and when I came here, I couldn't really speak English. I had an accent. These people exist, you know. Mm. As an actor, I think it's it, it's our job to just make that as real as possible and not do like a Mickey Rooney breakfast from Tiffany accent. You know what I mean? Mm. So when offered that role, you might as well do it, but do it as real as possible and treat it as any type of other acting art form possible. And, and as far as the accent thing, I, I don't think the accent itself is offensive. People speak like that. People have Chinese accents, Japanese accents, German accents, Spanish accents. But the problem is, People think the Spanish accent or even a French accent is sexy and interesting, and a British accent and an Australian accent is cool. But the perception is that the Chinese accent is not attractive. So really, it's not the accent itself. It's the people's perception of that accent that is messed up, you know? So for me, maybe it is my job to just make the Asian accent sexy and as <laughs> funny and sexy as possible. Uh, crushing it. You're right. Yeah, Jin Yang yeah, is a sex symbol. Jin Yang's a sex symbol. Jin Yang should have been in on that episode where, uh, where uh, fuck, uh, Jared f- keeps fucking on the first date. Like, <laughs> Jin Yang yeah, should have also... I, Yeah, I wish there was a scene where, like, I, I just came home with, you know, uh, a stripper or something. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I think that once they get into the Monica Jin Yang uh, love storyline, that will be a very uh, interesting part of the show. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure that'll be a one-way street. Um, what happens if the show goes like five, six more years, and then Jin Yang has to like by now? Jin Yang probably speaks better English. Will you like transition into your your American accent that you have now? 
Yeah, that's also been like a fan, like always been like a fan theory. Like people always suggesting that to me on Twitter. So man, they should just reveal you as like you, you know, like Jin Yang's actually just, you know, fucking around with her. Like, um, oh, I don't know, you know, that's up to the writers. I, I will be a hundred percent up for that, you know, and anything else they want me to do. Jin Yang could be a rapper. <laughs> right. Uh, so when, if you came over when you were 13, that actually is kind of like wheelhouse prank calling age. I'm wondering, um, did you ever get into prank calls? And if so, in theory, because you were just learning English, it would have maybe sounded exactly like Jin Yang's prank calls. Right. That would have been incredible. Um, no, because I was scared. Uh, I, I did prank call with my cousin when I was in Hong Kong okay. and uh, yeah, but back in not everybody had a cell phone, so you know my dad had a cell phone. Used that phone to call, and then the guy tracked it back and said, "Hey, this is the police. You know, uh, I'm I'm gonna like, where are you guys? You know, don't stop fucking around my phone." And I was so scared. I was probably like ten, eleven years old at the time. So then on the on the on the ride home, I just left. I just left the cell phone inside a bus <laughs> intentionally. And then my dad was pissed. He, he eventually, he, he found out and he was like, oh, so you lost the phone on purpose, right? Because like, you thought you got in trouble for prank calling. You know that was just somebody's parents fucking with you. I'm like, no, no, I didn't, I didn't lose the phone. I didn't, that, that was like a really uncomfortable father and son moment where he busted me and I don't want to admit it. So ever since like I was 10 or 11 after that incident, I never prank called anyone again until now. That is so it's painful for me to do the scene. You see? Unbelievable acting that you were able to hold back the tears as you as you told Ehrlich that he's not your baby. <laughs> a lot of tears. A lot of tears. Um, who are your stand-up influences? Because, um, I don't know if you've gotten this before, Like your delivery reminds me of Chris Rock. Oh, thank you so much. Um, yeah, it's a huge compliment. I loved Chappelle growing up, and when I came to this country, I learned a lot of English by watching BET Rap City and BET Comic View. So that was my early comedy influences. Like when I was watching Comic View, you know, when I was an immigrant, I didn't understand what they were saying because it's very slangish, very, you know, there's a heavy accent. So like, I thought if I could understand them, then I can just understand anything, you know? So a lot of my early uh, teenage years consisted of watching BET Comic View. So a lot of those comics on there definitely had an influence on me. How did that shape your personality growing up as like somebody new to this country where like BET was your Yeah, you main must influence? have been like so abrasive that like all you're watching is stand-up comedy. <laughs> I th- I think I overcompensated because as an immigrant you want to fit in, right? Or just as a 13-year-old kid you want to fit in. Mm. So, I try to be as American as possible. I didn't want to be looked at as this foreign kid. So, and what's more American than BET? You know, That's right. so I just, yeah, I, I try to, I try to make beats. Me and my friends, we try to rap and stuff. And do, it was kind of embarrassing looking back in hindsight, but uh, at the time it was fun and it, it definitely helped shape who I am now. Uh, what's your plan? This is a stupid question. I'm sure you hate hearing it, but like, what's your plan career wise? Like, do you want to do like the Aziz Ansari thing? Like, have two full careers as a stand up uh, comedian and, and as an actor? Or do you want to? Do the just stand-up thing, run that into the ground? What do you hope to do? Yeah, I think I want to do everything, right? I think now I'm in a position where I'm able to do a lot of stuff and you know meet a lot of people that I wasn't before I was on the show. So obviously the comedic acting stuff, even dramatic acting. I just shot this movie um, that's coming out in December called Patriot's Day. 
uh, with oh, Mark yeah. Wahlberg, yeah, John well, Goodman, Jacobson. Like, yeah, yeah the, about the Boston Marathon bombing. So it's a really serious movie. And that was uh, a, a very interesting, um, you know, and uh, fulfilling uh, uh, job to do. So uh, in the movie realm, and acting dramatic and com- comedic wise, and stand up, you know, I'm going on the road a little bit in between seasons. That always keeps me going. And, uh, that, I mean, I want to write a movie. I want to write a book. There's so many things I want to do, you know, and, and I finally get to do it now, which is very exciting. Do you like the touring? I like the who? Do, like, do you like touring? Um, it depends. I just came back from Kansas City, so, so at no. this moment I hate it. <laughs> <Right>. Yeah. <laughs> but certain cities I really enjoy and certain cities that I have you know, a good amount of fans. And, like, I'm really looking forward to going to San Francisco. Actually, at the end of the month, got a date coming up in uh, Bahamas. There's oh. a show in the Bahamas. So, you know, that's like a vacation, and I just got to do a little comedy, which is awesome. That's awesome. Um, earlier in, in this show's history, we talked to Chris Demontopoulos about his role as uh, Russ Hanneman, and he had mentioned mm-hmm. that um, there was an instance where he was walking through an airport and somebody got on a loudspeaker and yelled, this guy fucks as he was walking, through, <laughs> as he was walking through the airport with his children. Um, I'm uh-huh. just curious, have you had, uh, instances where people have just yelled at you like, damn it, Jin Yang or not now Jin Yang just out in public? Yes. They will yell Earl's line at me. They can't yell my lines at me because they'll be racist, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Like, like, imagine just like a white guy walking by me at the airport. I eat the fish. You know, you can't, can't do that, you know. So, um, yes, they, a lot of people do say, God damn it, Jing Yang, but in a very nice way. Some people would say, like, hey, man, nice to meet you. Can I just say one thing? I just want to say, God damn it, Jing Yang. So that's like a nice, like, you know, fans, you know, uh, kind of giving you props. And I always enjoy that. And uh, it's, not, it's, it's nothing abrasive, like on a megaphone in front of kids or anything. Right. What they should do is, like, what I would do, this would be like the casual, like, I know who you are thing. I'd walk up to you and I'd ask you for a cigarette. And that would <laughs> be like, ah, oh, fuck, yeah. he knows. And say special occasion. Right. That yeah, right. Hey, sorry, I just got engaged. Do you have a cigarette <laughs> or something? <laughs> Uh, I, I think it's it's also well you don't see Jin Yang that much so you don't even have much airtime or FaceTime so people are always skeptical to see if I'm actually the guy and also it becomes tricky in recognizing me because you don't want to go up to any random Asian guy and yes. be like aren't you that Asian guy from Silicon Valley because that in itself is like kind of racist to be like oh what all Asian people look alike now right That's or if point. like they can't remember yeah. your name and they're like oh fuck I know him from Twitter uh are you the, the like the funny Asian dude, and it's just like some person? Like, what the fuck are you saying to me? <laughs> right. Sometimes people don't even believe it. Like, they, which is the stupidest thing. They're actually like, "Yo, aren't you an actor?" I was like, "Yeah." And they're like, "What have you been in?" I'm like, "What? I gotta tell you my whole fucking resume now." Like, why don't you tell me like what you know? Right. And then they're like, "Oh, Silicon Valley, right?" I was like, "Yeah, yeah." He's like, "You're the guy from Silicon Valley." I'm like, "Yeah." He's like, "No, really? You're the guy from Silicon Valley?" And they keep asking. Because I guess the real life is kind of different than the character. Hmm. But like, so there you're talking someone into recognizing you, which you didn't <laughs> like. You didn't want the person to recognize you, and now you're like pitching yourself to them. Yes, like I'm like, yes, I am the guy. Please believe me. <laughs> I'll pull Please, up my IMDb my page. <laughs> right. Right. Um, exactly. Uh, do you think you'll do a stand-up special at any point? Um, maybe next year. Uh, I'm working on it. Uh, something that I would like to do for sure. 
Would you have to do that um, through HBO, or like, do you have kind of free reign to do the Netflix thing or whatever? Ooh, that that I don't know. Uh, we'll, we'll get to it when we get to it, right? Um, the HBO HBO give out I think less specials than Netflix, and and I think TJ's doing one now on HBO. Um, I'm not sure about that okay. if I ask him, but uh, yeah, if HBO will give me a chance. That'll be amazing. Um, here's my thought. Uh, Jin Yang and Ehrlich should star in season three of True Detective. Would you be down for that? Wow. <laughs> yes. Yes. Absolutely. Awesome. That's good news for me. I'm right. going to pitch it. Right. That's, that's the only way to save the series, I think. I was going to say, I would fucking watch True Detective again if, <laughs> if it was Jin Yang and Ehrlich. Um, who do you, uh, if you can say, uh, who do you play in uh, Patriot's Day? Because we know we know the story oh. pretty well, obviously. Yeah, it's it's all it's all based on real characters, and it's based on real events. So there's no like spoiler alerts or anything. Right. Um, it's this kid. Uh, he's a college student, and he's actually also a, a app maker. Um, and he gets carjacked by the brothers. Oh, and yeah. then after like an hour and a half of like kidnapping the car, he runs away. And uh, yeah, he ends up you know is the one that helped the cops captured uh, two brothers in Watertown. Wow. wow. Um, that's bad. Like, what was it like doing fucking, because that sounds like not only dramatic acting, but also like fucking action. Yeah, it's a very, um, and there's a bunch of scenes where I have to like run, like sprint full speed, and I'm not. Jin Yang does like, not I look, move very fast. <laughs> no, he's like, he doesn't, but I think you guys will be uh, pleasantly surprised. Uh, let's look at the alley fans to see Jin Yang kind of really sprinted out and uh you know in, in this dramatic movie i i'm i'm I, I think i'm pretty happy with uh what i did on the movie and uh peter burke's a great director you know mm-hmm. and everybody else is such like it, it's it's all people that i've looked up to you know like the cast is amazing so i'm i'm just really honored to be a part of this movie that's awesome uh well we look forward to seeing that and seeing the rest of all the the shit that you cook up with uh, Earl on uh, Silicon Valley. Uh, Jimmy, this has been uh, really cool. Thanks for doing it. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. God damn it. Jin Yang! Punch.